Welcome to Healthy Vision Talk Radio, the podcast for people in search of a physician with alternative solutions for their eye problems. From the best-selling, award-winning, world's-only homeopathic ophthalmologist, here's your host, Dr. Edward Kondrat. Welcome to Healthy Vision. This is your host, Dr. Edward Kondrat, and I'm here every Sunday evening to help give you information on ways to improve your health and save your vision. And I am very excited. This is the first uh, radio broadcast of the year and also the first podcast of the year. And I think what a better way to start the year. Uh, with me is Dr. Travis Ziegler. And he is an eye doctor who's on a mission to end preventable blindness. And I thought this would be a great way to start the year with having Dr. Ziegler on the, on the show. So Dr. Ziegler, great to have you on Healthy Vision. Yeah, thanks for having me on. We're pretty excited to be here, and I'm looking forward to our interview. Well, I think, um, you know, I, I did some research and looked at your website and some of the things that you are doing, and I'm just really, really impressed because I've been involved with missionary work the last five years, having trips to Mexico, India, uh, Vietnam, and it's just such a rewarding experience to help folks that are having vision difficulties and helping them restore lost vision. So let's begin uh, by talking a little bit about your background and how you got interested in eye care optometry and how that evolved into doing missionary work. Yeah, that's a great question. And it goes back to the year 2003 when I graduated high school. I went down to the Ohio State University to attend undergrad and I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I know I wanted to go into the healthcare field and my uncle is an optometrist in Columbus, Ohio, which is where Ohio State is. And so my parents were just like, why don't you just go work for him? See if you like optometry. And I started working for him, fell in love with the profession of seeing patients as an eye doctor and ended up going to optometry school at Ohio State. And then while at Ohio State Optometry School, we did two mission works, my wife and I did. Um, we went to Ecuador first and then Peru second. And so when we were in Ecuador, that's when my life changed because it was my first time in a third world country. And I remember seeing this patient, and we write about this in our story. This patient was a hard-nosed farmer that didn't really look like he wanted to be there, but we recognized right away that he had a red eye, so we got him to the front of the line. He ended up having pressures of about 80 in one eye, and normal pressures are about 22, as you know, but for your listeners. And so we had to, we were tasked with bringing his pressure down from 80 to 22 that day. And this whole time we were giving him drops and oral medications. He wasn't really saying much. And then at the end when we took away his pain and got his pressure to about 30, he, he started crying. He hugged us. He said, God bless you. And that's when I realized that my life had changed to wanting to focus on missions and it wasn't until this year that we've really had the chance to focus on it full time. But what happened was to go back to that year, which was about 2007, we went on our mission trip in Peru the next year and then graduated like every optometry student does. I went into private practice with my uncle and did that for about five years. During that five years, the goals that we set were just mostly income-based goals of I want to reach this income by this year. and. Every time we hit that, we just felt empty. There was just something missing working for somebody else, number one, but also working for yourself, number two, and we didn't really like that. And so we 
quit our jobs, sold everything that we owned in Columbus, and we moved across the country to South Carolina where we are now. And we started two new practices. And then we started focusing on an online company that we started called I Love. And that online company is all about giving back to mission work. Now, we expected with the two practices and this online company that we could retire maybe by the age of 50 to 55 and start focusing on mission work full time. Well, the beautiful thing is when you put your your goals in public like that and it, it can take off a lot faster than you, you expect it to. So what we saw is people starting to come by our side and help us out and our online business took off to the point where we have sold both practices now and we are focusing full-time on our online company, which then allows us to focus full-time on our mission work. So we actually just retired from practicing full-time in December of last year, so just a month ago, and we're now focusing full-time on mission work. So we're only gonna be in South Carolina for maybe a couple more months and then we don't really know where we're going next. So it's a pretty exciting time. Yeah, well, congratulations. I guess you're really living the dream helping people in, in such a wonderful way. So keep me in mind, if you need an ophthalmologist on any of these trips, uh, give me a ring. We'll definitely do that. I know that the missionary work has been very satisfying for myself. Uh, I did a mission recently. It's called Vets with a Mission. Uh, this is a Christian-based organization where ex-Vietnam veterans go back to Vietnam and uh, they help uh, do missionary work, not only eye care, but just general medical care. And I participated in this mission a couple of years ago, and I probably never worked harder as an eye doctor. We were in the jungle, and I think I saw over 400 patients over a two-day period. And the scary thing is, and I think you can appreciate this, I was probably the first eye doctor that they were seeing, and probably the last. So there was a tremendous amount of pressure on me to, you know, make the right diagnosis. And probably one of the most gratifying experiences I had is just giving them a simple prescription. I had a, you know, suitcase full of um, plus and minus lenses and, you know, doing a quick uh, refraction with a streak retinoscopy and just giving them a simple pair of glasses and, you know, seeing the joy, you know, in addition to, you know, diagnosing cataracts and, complex uh, eye disorders, just a simple uh, prescription. And also the fact that you are there and they can understand that, you know, you care for them, that you are there, you're not really making any money, uh, and just uh, the love of helping to restore vision, just just a wonderful yeah, experience. What you went through is exactly what we wrote our mission about, and our mission is ending preventable blindness and most people don't realize that 700 or 700 million people in this world are blind just due to a lack of glasses. And if you put a simple pair of readers that you buy over the counter, just like you had in your suitcase or briefcase, that it changes their whole world. It takes somebody from not being able to work to being able to work again. And we could easily fix this if we just, you know, commit time to it and figure it out. And that's what our goal is to figure out that problem in Jamaica first. And if we can replicate it in other, or once we figure it out in Jamaica, because Jamaica has about 500,000 people per ophthalmologist or optometrist. And once we figure it out in Jamaica, we can then replicate it around the world. And that's kind of our goal now as moving forward. We're going to try to work on creating that, that, that sustainable model instead of just a MASH clinic, which is what we do now and what you're doing in Vietnam, which is there's a place for that too. It needs to be done, but 
our goal is to create more of a sustainable model in Jamaica, which is going to be a tough task, but we're up for the challenge. So by a sustainable model, you're talking about educating uh, maybe a, a local person to be able to do eye examinations and do some type of preliminary eye care, and then maybe get back to you by phone or Skype uh, you got it. to yep. help. Yeah. So like uh, I consider it kind of a bicycle spoke model where we have like a central office in Jamaica that has an eye doctor staffed. And there's a couple in Jamaica already, but then we could train opticians or people that could just do refractions and they could go out to the communities and measure people for glasses and just put glasses on them. And then if they can't fix the problem, they can then refer them into our primary clinic where they can see a doctor. And I think that could be very sustainable in some of these countries. Um, but again, we haven't tried it yet, so we'll, we'll keep you updated. <laughs> now, so how many missions do you do a year? Right now we do one in October. So it's a two-week mission trip in Jamaica. We go to two different areas and give about 3,000 eye exams in a week, two to 3,000. And then um, we're out of there. And there's some other things in the works for Jamaica for kids. Um, we might start working with an organization that we actually go into schools and give eye exams for no cost. And then we travel around the country doing that. Um, and then we're going to start getting involved with what started it all for us, which was the SVOSH missions the Student Volunteers for Optometric Services to Humanity. That's what ASHFOS stands for. That's what started us in school, and we might start going with the, the students again. Um, but we've worked full-time, so we haven't had the time to, but we usually go on one a year, and we're hoping to up that to four a year by the end of next year. Well, if um, you and your wife are interested in going to Vietnam, uh, I have a trip scheduled in March. Uh, we're going to be going to some remote areas, an orphanage, uh, giving a lot of uh, eye, preliminary eye care, you know, refractions and uh, just basic eye exams. So we'll have to keep in touch to see if you're interested in that. My schedule's open, so we could definitely talk about it. Good. So we're coming up to a break right now. And you're listening to Healthy Vision. And with me is Dr. Travis Ziegler. And when we come back, uh, let's focus on what are the... Uh, main causes for blindness uh, in the world and what what can we do to reverse this epidemic and give people back their sight so we'll be right back after this break hey welcome back to healthy vision with me is dr travis uh, ziegler and so let's talk a little bit about the causes of preventable and unpreventable blindness in the world and how we can help these millions yeah. of people yeah, like like I stated earlier, before the break, there's 700 million people blind just due to lack of glasses, and most people don't really think about it, but when you hit around the age of 40 to 45, you start to lose that ability to read and see up close, and that's because the lens of your eye is starting to get a little thicker, and it's harder to see up close. And so a lot of people that aren't educated enough in these third world countries, they don't realize that they're not going blind. It's just a natural kind of cause of reading problems and in the the u.s and th first world countries we have access to reading glasses and so the most common cause of blindness in the world that's preventable is just a lack of reading glasses and we can go pick up a dollar pair like i said before over the counter at like a dollar at a walmart but they don't have access to that so one of our goals is to get people access to those reading glasses and then just other things like nearsightedness and being farsighted also can cause blindness that's preventable but the most common cause is presbyopia or the lack of the ability to read 
which then causes all sorts of problems like lack of work and lack of being able to read the Bible in most cases and or just reading in general. So that's the most common cause we see. I don't know if, if you see anything differing on your mission trips yet so far. It's really funny. I was in Vietnam and uh, I had an interpreter. Of course, my wife speaks fluent uh, Vietnamese. And I would always ask him, do you have any trouble with your vision? Uh, do you have trouble reading? And all these elderly people are telling me, no trouble reading, no trouble reading at all. And I would do a quick streak retinoscopy and I would find out that they're like a plus five. And for the listeners, a plus five means that, my goodness, you can't see anything up close. <laughs> and as it turned out, when I asked them if they have any trouble reading, the reason why they said no is because they can't read. <laughs> they, yep. have, they have no need. So part of it is understanding um, you know, the level of education. Uh, so then what I did is I had them do you know, uh, a visual task, you know, holding an object or identifying something. So we had a different method. So you kind of learn, you kind of learn. And so I wanted to ask you, um, do you have a system, uh, uh, a triage system, so you can examine as many people effectively and caringly when you have like a high volume of patients? Yeah, we've been spoiled. So when we go to Jamaica, we have a team of about 40 to 45 people that come with us, and only a handful of those are doctors. And so most of the, the help is opticians and just people in general. Like, you don't have to be a doctor or be trained in eye care to come. And it's a pretty pretty dialed-in system where they get triaged, they have history done on them, um, we do pressures on them, we do an auto-refraction on them, which is automatically checking their prescription before we get them. A nurse will take their blood sugar and blood pressure and also will dilate any diabetics after the pressure has been checked. And then um, by the time they get to us, they've already had a health screening, they've already been dilated, they've had a prescription check preliminary, and we'll just kind of fine tune it. And so mainly our job is to just look at the data, prescribe the glasses, show them the glasses, as in just pop a couple lenses up in front of them to make sure they can see out of it. And then if disease looks okay, then we just send them on their way to get glasses. So we've been extremely spoiled to, to be in this system. That's why I think we fell in love with Jamaica is the system was really in place. Plus, we love Jamaica in general just because the people are so great. And But to, to give you an example of our Ecuador and Peru trip, that was all student-based. And so we would go grab the patients from the line and we'd do everything with them. We'd do history. We'd do... A, visual acuities, we do pressures, we did everything with them as a student, and then if we needed to dilate them, we'd put them in a dilation line. And so I've done a lot of different ways, and the key thing to all these missions is flexibility, because as you know, no two clinics are ever going to be the same, and they're 100% different no matter what, and it all relies on the people that are there, on your team, and then also the village that you're in too. Well, I'm kind of uh, really interested in your system because when I saw uh, over 400 patients, it was just myself, my wife, and one other person helping us. <laughs> I did the history, that's, that's did the recording, and you know, I was exhausted at the end of the day. I mean, I could barely even walk, but I just felt so great, you know, helping so many, so many people. But um, so, other eye diseases that you see on your missionary work. I guess you see some complex uh, problems, glaucoma, cataracts. Uh, what are some of the common things that you see? 
Yeah, so the most common thing we see in Jamaica is diabetic problems. So diabetic blindness from retinopathy and just just because people don't have the education on, on health and diet in general. And the diet in Jamaica is very poor. Lots of fried food, lots of breads, lots of just everything that diabetics should not eat. And so we see mostly diabetic problems. And of course, cataracts. Cataracts are very common in third world countries to as you know, they just need surgery to get those removed. Um, we usually wait till they're about 2100 or worse, and then we'll get them in line for surgery. And it usually takes them two to three years. So the cool thing about what we're doing in Jamaica is that when we return year after year, we're actually starting to see the patients we referred three years ago, getting their cataract surgery, you know, this year. And so it's pretty neat to see it come full circle. And we're starting to do more and more cataract surgery. That's something we just started adding the last couple of years, we go through an organization called Great Shape Incorporated, and they're, the specific eye care division of that is called the Eye Care Project, and that's the one. They're about seven years old now, and it gets better and better every year. And the beautiful thing about that mission work is we do spoil ourselves a little bit because Sandals Foundation is actually Sandals Resorts are founded in Jamaica, and so they have a thing called the Sandals Foundation. And the Sandals Foundation actually lets us stay in a Sandals at no cost. And so we have very nice accommodations when we go, but then we go out in the communities and really help them out. And Sandals Foundation has been huge in helping us set up this, this MASH-style clinic and, and getting the surgery done in Jamaica. Um, yeah, I, to go back to your question, diabetes and cataracts are the two most common causes. Cataracts, of course, we can have the surgery done to help with that, but diabetes usually is a little more permanent where we're seeing them because by the time they see us, uh, they usually are pretty much blind. And the unfortunate thing is that you usually see these patients coming because they've already lost a leg or they've already lost an arm because of their diabetic problems. And then glaucoma is another big one. Jamaica is African descent, so African descent has a lot of glaucoma. And usually by the time we see them again, it's usually too late to do much, but we still give them as many drops as we can, write them a prescription, and hope that they can get the help. We usually try to give them a year's supply of drops, depending on the severity. If it's more of a mild to moderate glaucoma, we'll give them more drops. But if it's a pretty severe end stage, we usually don't give them any drops because we want to save it for the people that aren't quite there because the end stage glaucoma patients in these countries are just, they're, they're pretty much already gone. They already have somebody helping them out. And you have a, a surgical team that you refer to or a surgical team that travels with you? Yeah, so there's uh, we have usually one, op one to two ophthalmologists with us at all times. Um, yeah, and we usually do surgery one week out of the two weeks that we're there. And so when the surgery weeks, I don't actually participate in surgeries because I'm usually in the clinics. So um, we'll usually have one ophthalmologist and about five to seven optometrists with us and then about ten opticians. And so the difference being that ophthalmologists are MDs, this is for your listeners, of course, ophthalmologists are MDs that can do surgery, optometrists, we can treat disease, but we can't really do surgery. And then opticians are people that dispense glasses. And so that's kind of our, our and then the rest of the volunteers are just other people that just come along. Um, but yeah, we usually have one to two ophthalmologists and then the surgery week, the ophthalmologist actually usually brings a team with them. Um, but we can also probably provide a team if they don't have a team as well. So for listeners that um, uh, might be interested in uh, more information on your website, Facebook, YouTube, I wonder if you could share with us 
all that contact information. Yeah, so the, the organization we go with is called Great Shape Inc. And their website is Great Shape Inc. And it's called the Eye Care Project. Ours is called thesun.com. And our commission, we donate profits back to all this mission work that we do. We actually started a foundation to do that with. And that's called the I Love Cares Foundation. And that's at ilovecares.org. So we actually use the profits of our company to then donate to our foundation. And then we use foundation proceeds to go on these mission trips. And then we also sponsor scholarships with for students that actually align with our mission as well. And then we use that to also provide education as well. Uh, we're coming up to another break. And you were breaking up a little bit. I wonder if you could repeat that uh, website one more time. Yeah, so greatshapeinc.org. And then ilovethesun.com, that's E-Y-E, lovethesun.com. And then our foundation is great, or excuse me, ilovecares.org. Okay, we're coming up to a break. And we come back, we're going to talk about some common eye problems that exist and what you can do about them to help your eyes. We'll be right back. Uh, Welcome back to Healthy Vision. And we're going to change Uh, focus a little bit and and talk about a very common eye condition that can be very painful visually disabling and that's dry eyes so dr. Ziegler uh, let's talk a little bit about what can be done for dry eyes first of all how do you diagnose it and what can be done yeah so dry eyes a condition that we take a little bit of a different approach to it Um, we approach it more with an Eastern medicine approach versus Western medicine and we were trained in Western medicine, so this approach came to us within the last year, and we've just kind of run with it, and it's been working pretty well for us. So um, we diagnose it by looking at the front surface of your eye. Mainly, we diagnose it through symptoms. So if a patient's having trouble with dry, itchy, or eyes that won't stop tearing, or eyelids that are just burning and irritated, then they usually have some sort of dry eye, blepharitis, or allergies. Blepharitis is just where your eyelids are inflamed, and we'll probably probably go into it a lot more, but your eyelids are responsible for how your eye feels. And so once we have that kind of diagnosis and the patient's having trouble, well, I, we address it first with diet. We ask them what they're eating, how much water they're drinking, if they're exercising. And so we are a big proponent of diet first to heal dry eye, and then we'll move into medications if needed. But we always start out with diet. And I actually wrote a book called Rethinking Dry Eye Treatment. And it's on Amazon, and you can. It's a very short book. I actually was writing a series of blog posts regarding dry eye and taking a diet approach to it. And then it ended up being in about a 50 page blog. I was just like, uh, we'll just make this into a book. And it's also on my blog too at ilovethesun.com. But we just talk about like the foods to avoid and the foods to, to eat in order to, to address dry eye. And we focus on pretty much for your whole body leafy green vegetables. It's going to help every single aspect of your body in reducing inflammation in your body because what we believe is that dry eye is a symptom to your body's overall inflammation. And we're constantly eating this poor diet, this Western diet that has bad fats and processed foods and sugars. And this poor diet is just causing an overall inflammation in our body. And so we take the approach of thinking of dry eye as a symptom of this and even high blood pressure and diabetes, you could think of them as symptoms of this overall inflammation of your body. 
and a stroke or a heart attack can be one of those symptoms as well. And so we just discussed more eating, switching to a plant-based alkalizing diet. And that just means eating a lot of leafy green vegetables and avoiding non-organic food, processed foods, foods that come in boxes, cans, anything that has added sugar, we tell them to avoid that. Um, pesticide use, we, tell, we talk about avoiding that. And from a personal standpoint, we actually avoid meat and dairy and gluten. And we found big benefits through both our patients online and ourselves because my wife and I, we had some problems. And the reason we went from Western to Eastern medicine in our, in our thought is because the Western medicine failed us. We were told that we couldn't have children and we were told that we were infertile. We're about, this is when we were about 30 years old, so about three years ago. And our infertility doctor told us that it was pretty much, we had to do IVF or nothing. IVF is a, about a fifteen dollars to $25,000 procedure where my wife would be injecting hormones and everything into her body for a period of time in hopes that we'd get pregnant. So it's about a 20% chance. And we decided not to take that route and to explore Eastern medicine. And after three to four months of exploring Eastern medicine, we got pregnant and we have our first kid. And so that shifted our whole belief in Western medicine. And that's when we explored this route. And we've started having people that have dry eye start this this plant-based alkalizing diet. And we've seen just massive results from it. And it's not just healing your dry eye. That's just the, the focus that we're doing. It's you're, you're pretty much healing your whole body from inflammation by starting this plant-based diet of organic vegetables, leafy green vegetables. So does that all make sense? Yeah, well, I, um, I agree with you 100%. I, I believe that food is our best medicine. We are what we eat. And, um, you know, a, a plant-based alkalizing diet is, uh, you know, the first really important step to, you know, begin the healing process of your body. I've, I also have an interest in homeopathy. You know, homeopathy believes mm -hmm. that the body can heal itself, and there are many homeopathic remedies that can help with dry eyes. And one thing that really helps for severe uh, chronic dry eyes with inflammation is ozonated eye drops. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Um, I have a YouTube video. If you uh, search my name, Chondrot and Ozone Eye Drops. It's a very simple way uh, to make a eye drop that uh, uses ozone gas, which helps regenerate the eye, reduce inflammation, and uh, very, very powerful and amazing to help folks that are suffering instead of going with, you know, the toxic uh, petrochemical products like Restasis and, and those drugs. So it's uh, something that uh, can be really, really beneficial, the ozonated you, eye drops. You've, you've piqued my interest, and I'm going to be looking it up after this. <laughs> yeah, just go to YouTube um, and search my name in Ozone. And yeah. uh, I think your patients will, will love them. And it kind of empowers. I, I believe in empowering patients so they don't depend on doctors. They can do things on their own. And this is one way of doing it. So I'm curious, in addition to the plant-based diet, you mentioned Eastern medicine. So are there certain herbs or uh, nutritional products that you recommend? Yeah, so we haven't really explored the herbal route yet. Um, we did a little bit for her infertility, but we haven't explored herbals. So I, I'm not educated enough on that to do that. Mainly we focus on 
just kind of repurposing your cells. So giving them more oxygen by eating healthier fats. So eating healthy omega-6s versus the unhealthy omega-6s that we eat mostly, and then eating healthy omega-3s. So we focus on an organic evening primrose oil for an omega-6 and a flaxseed oil for both omega-6 and omega-3. And then we recommend putting like avocados in your smoothies, um, hemp seeds, flax seeds that are ground. And we just focus on getting healthy fats in your diet to give your cells more oxygen because you're creating a better cell wall around your, your cells, and that's going to let more oxygen in and out of your cells versus what we do now, which is Western medicine, or excuse me, not Western medicine, but Western diet, the unhealthy, very red meat processed fats that just create these cells that are being oxygen deprived. And so we focus on eating healthy fats first, and then essential minerals like magnesium, selenium, and all those that we're usually lacking. And we focus on that with like Celtic sea salt and things like that. And then vitamin deficiency, we focus on getting your vitamins up. Um, something simple like an electron deficiency. So as simple as going outside and walking barefoot on your grass. Sounds crazy, but it works. If you've ever felt stressed, go out and do that. See what happens to your body. And just it makes you feel a lot better and it kind of balances your charge. And we focus on sleep and then supplement implementation of course when you've done all the above yeah earthing is is amazing uh dr steven sinatra who wrote the book called earthing is my neighbor here in florida he's an amazing (laughs) alternative cardiologist so it's one of the reasons why i like florida we can walk barefoot on the beach and be grounded to the earth which really helps uh, the body to uh, regenerate yeah um i wanted to uh ask you um uh, I'm glad that you mentioned plant-based omega oils, and you didn't talk about fish oils because I feel that fish oils are toxic to the body. Uh, there's a professor Peskin from MIT who wrote a book called The Dangers of Fish Oils, and it's kind of shocking. I think uh, fish oils in high dosage uh, are very toxic uh, because fish oils become rancid at room temperature. There's also uh, mercury in the fish oils and they're not they're longer chain fatty acids which are not absorbed in the body so i'm glad that you mentioned the plant-based oils the primrose the flaxseed oils because i think they're much better for the body yeah and we we actually do sell a fish oil but it's not the only reason we sell a fish oil is because we saw that our patients were taking it because of the education they've received from their doctors so we decided that if our patients are going to be taking a fish oil supplement that we want it to be as pure as we can possibly make it. And so we did a lot of, a lot of searching for a very healthy omega-3 fish oil itself. I promote more plant-based omegas if you're going to take something. And, but we came out with one because I didn't want to sound hypocritical, but we did come out with one just because our patients were taking it. And I wanted them to be taking something that was a little more pure, and we get ours from a sustainable sh- source over in Iceland, and it's the purity, it's third-party tested and GMP. But this year, we're actually focusing on coming out with a completely vegan-based omegan, omega, mm. and it's going to have a ratio of omega-6 to omega-3 of 4 to 1. And then we're going to be using, like I said, organic evening primrose oil for the omega-6, and then and we're going to have for the omega-3, and that's what we're, we're going to be pushing most moving forward. 
uh, came out with this oil just because our, our patients were taking it. And oh, we're coming up. Uh, it, we're coming up to another break right now. Oh, go ahead. And when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about a big, big problem, and that's computer vision syndrome. So we'll be right back after this break. Okay, we're back with Dr. Travis uh, Ziegler, and now let's talk about I think a big issue, especially in the United States with all the smartphones, computers, video games, and just regular computer use and that's computer vision syndrome I think it's destroying uh, the visual system of many many people uh, so what can we do yeah you can do you can do a lot get off your computers pretty much impossible um, what I recommend is getting a pair of, of blue light blocking glasses and you can get these we, we actually have a couple pairs but um, you can get them online on Amazon or on our website, ilovethesun.com. But blue light is what's causing all this harm. And blue light is very natural, and it's it's needed. It's when the sun comes up, the reason you see the color blue is because of blue light. And our bodies are made when we see this blue light to, to wake up. And so when the sun comes up, our bodies are telling us to wake up. And then when the sun goes down, our bodies are telling us to go to sleep. Our melatonin increases and it's supposed to put us into sleep. The problem is we have TVs and computers and cell phones that emit this blue light, and this blue light is constantly going into our eyes telling us to stay awake. And so what I always recommend is turning off the TV, turning off your computers and cell phones at about 7 p.m. at night, about two to three hours before you go to bed. And so what that's gonna do is it's gonna allow your body just to start resting, and it's gonna pretty much increase your melatonin production, which is gonna give you now, if you stay on your cell phone right before you go to bed, you're just delaying getting into that REM sleep, which is the restful sleep that you can get into, and your body's just going to feel the effects of it, and you're, you're slowly killing yourself by not getting that good sleep. And so if you are going to be on TVs, computers, or tablets at nighttime, wear a pair of blue light blocking glasses. That's going to help. I actually wear blue light blocking glasses during the day. We have a pair that's about 30 to 40% blue light blocking. And that's good for like eye strain during the day because if you're on your computer all day, you're going to get eye strain and this helps with that. Then at nighttime when you go to bed, around 5 to 6 to 7 p.m., you want to put on a pair of blue light blocking glasses that's almost 100%. Those are the ones that have that kind of yellow tint to them. And they you'll, you'll feel them. You'll feel yourself getting tired after about 30 minutes of wearing those. And so that will help you get into a nice deep sleep. So... Blue light blocking glasses is one way to help. Getting off all technology after 7 p.m. is another way. I know that sounds impossible for some people, but it actually be better, and it's a lot nicer. And then I always recommend that if you are working on a computer, following the 20-20-20 rule, every 20 minutes of computer work, look at something 20 feet away or further for about 20 seconds. So mainly after 20 minutes, just set a timer, get up and walk around, and that's going to be the easiest way to avoid that eye strain. And then, of course, get an eye exam to see if you need a prescription or not. Now, there's been some research. I think it's a Dr. Ben Lane, who's an optometrist, that felt that you need to have uh, a maximum uh, correction for computer distance to re relieve eye strain. So one thing that I recommend to my patients is to have an eye examination and have an exact pair of glasses to focus on the computer distance. In fact, I think Dr. Ben Lane talked about that that could be uh, a reason for a pressure increase in glaucoma. 
you know, with the accommodative spasm uh, causing an increase in intraocular pressure. Yeah, that's a that's a good. I, I haven't read anything like that, but that makes sense. And I prescribe more computer glasses than I've ever done in the last three years. So in the last three years, I have patients that come in with. If you did a normal exam without asking them any history, you'd probably prescribe them nothing. But the fact that they have all these symptoms, I'm prescribing more and more of these computer vision glasses that are focused for that computer distance or a little closer for their phone. And we put that blue light blocking coating on it, which the ones that you get from your optometrist that are custom made usually are only about 20 to 30 percent blue light blocking. Yeah, we're a little bit different because I feel that blue light is necessary during the day. So normally I don't recommend any type of blue blocking during the day, but I agree with you at night, you really need 100% blue blockers uh, in order yeah. to maintain the you know, circadian rhythm of the body. Yep, exactly. Now, how about other eye exercises? And that's why we made ours only about 30%. How about other eye exercises? Other eye exercises? Uh, computer eye strain. You know, people talk about palming and uh, different exercises looking in different directions. Do you think they're beneficial? Um, I can't really comment on those as much because I haven't really done much re research on them. I, you probably have a little bit more research on them than I do. Um, according to my education, there's nothing really that can help that much. What we really believe in is vision therapy. And so if a patient has an eye muscle imbalance so their eye muscles aren't working together properly we can actually train that very similar to like if you had physical therapy on a knee that had problems we can train the eyes to work together better and that's just a series of eye exercises that, that you can go to a vision therapist for there's a few out usually there's one to two in each city um, but there's not a lot out there and there's also programs online I think there's a I don't know the name of the app but there's an app on your in the iTunes store that is vision therapy pretty much and vision therapy is just going to help train your eyes to focus and relax more and then turning your eyes in and out more that can sometimes help too yeah because the big issue is the inability to change the focus um, convergence insufficiency which is very common so people have a hard time bringing the image in close and yep. i think that there are exercises like pencil push-ups and and things like that but there are you're right, there are a group of optometrists who specialize in vision therapy. And I think this is so important that we reduce eye strain because I feel that eye strain can lead to more serious visual problems if, if untreated. Yeah, and push your computer away a little further too. And that, that will help out tremendously just because you're not focusing as hard. Now, lastly, I want to talk about uh, myopia, you know, the mm -hmm. progression of myopia. Myopia, I think, is increasing in severity, uh, probably due to the fact that, you know, kids are not using their distance vision. You know, when I was young, I came home from school and I couldn't wait to get outside and play baseball and run in the woods. And nowadays, kids are coming home and they're on their smartphone or computer or playing video games. They're just not using their distance vision. And do you feel that this is uh, producing an epidemic of myopia? Yeah, I believe so. And and you can see it by studies coming out of Asia and China specifically that myopia is getting worse in those countries. And it's in those countries are on tablets and cell phones and computers more than any other country. And so the reason studies are being done in, over in Asia so much is because they are more nearsighted than us. I think it's 60, 60 to 70% of 
Asians are nearsighted. And by Asians, I mean Chinese and Japanese and that kind of culture. And so 60 to 70% of them are nearsighted, which is nowhere near what it is here in the U.S. And the studies are showing that it's getting worse and worse, and they're on the computers more and more. And I know Dr. Zadnik at Ohio State, she's the dean of Ohio State, she did a study probably 10 to 20 years ago that showed that playing outside reduced the progression of myopia. It wasn't hugely significant, but it's still something that's there. And there are other things that we're, we're studying right now in optometry as far as at the schools that little things like um, you can do a contact lens that you wear at nighttime. And what it does is it actually flattens the front part of your eye, similar to what LASIK does, but it's not permanent. And then in the morning, you actually take this contact lens out and you can see all day long. But what we're thinking is that wearing this contact lens at night creates this what's called peripheral defocus, where it makes the peripheral vision blurry and therefore it triggers your eye not to grow anymore and not to, it, it makes your nearsightedness less by about 50 to 60%. And so that's been a promising study. Um, so it's a nighttime context called orthokeratology. And then if you put a kid in a bifocal context, which is usually what we reserve for people that are over the age of 40, if we put that in a kid, the same concept is true and it usually reduces by about 30% the progression of nearsightedness. So that's two ways that you can talk to your optometrist about is orthokeratology, which is more effective, usually more expensive. And then a bifocal contact lens is less effective, but less expensive. And you can talk to that about using that on your children. Yeah, but I, I kind of like the uh, recommendation, just use your eyes more for distance instead of artificially <laughs> <Go outside. laughs> in, inducing, you know, changing the curvature, which is can be risky at times. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, we're coming to an end on Healthy Vision, and I want to thank you so much for taking time to be on the show. And uh, before we say goodbye, uh, please give your contact information again to the listeners. Yeah, so the easiest way to contact me is getting on Facebook and searching for the Dry Eye Syndrome Support Community. That's a group of about 3,000 people, and my wife and I are in there pretty actively, and we do live videos in there. And you can get all your questions answered about dry eyes. So Dry Eye Syndrome Support Community on Facebook. It, our website is ilovethesun.com. Our company's called ilove, so E-Y-E. L-O-V-E-T-H-E-S-U-N.com. And then that's where you can purchase any of our dry eye products or any of our products in general. But yeah, if you want to contact us, find us on Facebook, Dry Eye Syndrome Support Community. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining me on Healthy Vision. And this is your host, Dr. Edward Kondrat, wishing all of you good health and clear vision. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. If you'd like to learn more about alternative eye treatments, access free reports, or subscribe to Dr. Kondrat's newsletter, visit us at HealingTheEye.com. If you enjoyed today's show, please write a review. We love hearing from listeners. To hear more episodes about alternative eye treatments, click subscribe and download all of our previous shows. We wish you good health and clear vision.